Oh, I, okay. We can start. Hello, I'm starting the podcast. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of Attica Shrug, the podcast about news, politics, culture happening in the South this week or thereabouts. Um, with me this week again are David Dykes. Hello. And Chad Watson. Hello, y'all. And I'm West Cheek. I forgot to mention that because I'm in deep cover now. Um, before, but unfortunately for the show, absolutely nothing happened in the South this week. Nothing. Sorry, guys. Go home. <laughs> Can I tell you about uh, about the Eng- during the English four AP exam that a uh, kid got caught with yep. his cell phone? Are we going to talk about uh, that for uh, an hour? Can we? <laughs> it has ramifications. Yeah. To his life course. Mm-hmm. Was he using it to cheat? Was he like getting answers off his cell phone? No, he was finished. He was done with his test and just took it out and started. Started uh, yeah. Well, that's where we led him. That's where popular culture leads mm-hmm. eventually. To check. I had a kid, a kid, a nineteen-year-old in class this week using his cell phone like in his lap, and I kind of stopped and said, "I, I taught junior high for ten years. Do you think I can't tell you're using a cell phone? What are they anyway?" Yeah. Uh, David, how are things there? Things are good. Uh, if I want to bust somebody with a cell phone, I just say to the class in general, what time is it? And see who reaches for their pocket <laughs> and then looks guilty. <laughs> but yeah, uh, nothing. I just, you know, I organize my life as much as possible to where nothing happens in my real life. And mm-hmm. I can enjoy my um, uh, online life and social media life. And Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. And just sleep when I want to. My... So I slept this week. That I'm envious, in fact. Um, so my be- my week's been kind of weird because I live in New Orleans, uh, and as you might have noticed, uh, New Orleans has been kind of odd this week. Yeah, um, we've had some goings. We've had some goings on here. Goings on. Going ons. Goings on. Goings on. I think. Goings on. Like courts martial uh, and mothers in law. <laughs> yes, hands job. <laughs> anyway, that was some nice silence. <laughs> <laughs> Fix it in post. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so what should I should I like talk through the week here? Would that be helpful? Kind of like generally what's been happening. Yes, I think a lot of people know. All right, so. Last Monday, and I should say, just for the record, all of this, for several reasons, like, all the stuff I'm going to tell you about, um, it's just I us. am only in, hmm, involved on the kind of outside of it. So I say that, one, because I don't want to take credit for all the hard work people put in. Uh, second, because I, I don't want to be assassinated by Rick Cajun. <laughs> um, so I'm only sort of, I'm, uh, I'm involved in the sense that I, I show up and I'm kind of at this stuff. Uh, I'm not an organizer in any way, but a lot of other people put in very hard work on it. So um, <clears throat> May 1st is May Day, which, as you may or may not know, is international kind of leftist day, right? Yes. Yes. Do they yes. celebrate that in Mexico? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What kind of, what, what happens? Uh, parades in some places. There's, um, years ago when I lived in Mexico City, I wasn't used to celebrating May Day and um, I went to the center, to the, um, uh, to the Zocalo, the big square, uh, or I was headed there to check my mail, and the whole city was shut down. 
and I went through this military checkpoint. It took me a while to figure out that it was May Day and that it was a really big deal. The subways didn't run to the center because the president was doing um, uh, a speech from the balcony, and the presidents in Mexico are no more popular than um, uh, our current president in the U.S., so uh, they, they do a lot of security. Anyway, so yeah. It's kind of interesting it, the way it's been edited out of America, even though it's kind of originated in America, right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Confirmed. <laughs> it was uh, it was shit, Haymarket riot, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's in, after the Haymarket riots in Chicago, and so, but we don't really think. I mean, now we all celebrate Loyalty Day. I think, right? We're pretty big on Loyalty Day, and, <laughs> as opposed to like May Day, which. But it's interesting here. So, what happened was the um, the Congress of Day Laborers, uh, the immigrant rights group here in New Orleans. Um, they organized a May Day march for a day without an immigrant. Um, and we even had people, like there were some people in town from Norway for Jazz Fest who came and joined us for the march. And they said, well, yeah, we were, it's May Day, right? So we were trying to find like where the parade was. Because hmm. that's what they do on May Day. Uh, so um, and this march is not connected to what happened at the monuments later at all. all. I'm just setting up the story. So we have a May Day March uh, goes well, goes smoothly, good turnout, um, well-received. It's nice to see a lot of working-class people in New Orleans come out and kind of cheer for it and stuff. And uh, so then later that night, there was supposed to be, as you might or might not know, there's a bunch of armed uh, Confederate flag supporters camped out on the Jefferson Davis Memorial out on Jeff Davis and Canal. They've been kind of just camped out there with a lot of guns uh, kind of prowling around out there to make sure that that monument doesn't get torn down on their watch. Uh, so, or, or, um, uh, um, I, I know this is a technicality, but yeah, jump taken down. down. Mm-hmm. Took down. Yeah. Like, torn down implies that they're going to topple it like a Saddam Hussein statue in Iraq <laughs> or something, but yeah. they're just removing it yeah. from where it is and moving it somewhere else. It's not like they're melting it down and turning it into um, uh, statuettes of Martin Luther King or anything. They're, they're just moving <laughs> that it. You, that you know Memorial of. keychains. Yeah, well, well you yeah. know, the, the conspiracy is You don't is know broad. what Zog plans to do with it. <laughs> the conspiracy is broad. They blow it up. They've been blown up. Um, yeah, they're being uh, pulverized into cocaine, made into crack. <laughs> distributed in communities across the nation. Um, so, yeah, so these guys, largely guys, largely not from New Orleans. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into that in a second, but are camped out out there. And this is, if you know New Orleans, this is in mid-city. This is in the middle of a neighborhood, right? Um, it's in the middle of a family neighborhood, a multi-ethnic neighborhood, a very diverse neighborhood. There's a playground like 100 or so feet away from it. These guys walk around with guns everywhere. So I'm not saying this just because of the side that I'm on. This was largely planned by people in that neighborhood who were tired of these guys being there and also people who thought that the monuments being taken down is a good thing 
and that it should be celebrated instead of done in the middle of the night, right? And kind of only thing we've seen is this kind of people showing up and saying, don't take them down, yelling and screaming about it. That there should be a celebration. So it seemed like May Day was a good time. This is a public space. It's a green belt that runs through town. It's a park. So it would be a good time to go out in that area, and they plan to have a barbecue and karaoke to celebrate uh, the statue's being taken down. And so, of course, part of this plan is that that will bother the people who are there with guns, right? But it's a public space, right? And if they are going to be walking around with guns, waving Confederate flags, um, kind of marking out that space, uh, it's, you know, people who actually live there can also use that space to say, hey, we, we like them taken down. So that's how all of this started. Um, and I went out there around 8 o'clock just to kind of see what was going on. And there's a bar right there, so to, to drink a beer and maybe have some barbecue, although I don't eat meat, um, and, and see what happened. So what ends up happening, there's so many different ways to go with this. I don't even know which one to explore first. But the thing that I want to make important to know about these people, the Confederate Monuments people, is that they're largely an online Internet fundraising scam. And I feel after this week of dealing with them pretty comfortable in saying that. And it's not like, so I don't know where to draw the line. Like you can't get in someone's brain and know like where their ideology stops and their commercialism starts, right? There's no way to know that. Like I don't know how much Kim Kardashian really enjoys posing naked and how much like she's able to make tons of money right. off of that, right? Like I don't know. Or how much Pat Robertson really is sincerely a religious man. Like you can be sure. a crazy fanatic and also be a mm-hmm. complete parasite. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, you can. In fact, many have proven that. Um, how much Donald Trump really likes buildings. I don't know. So, but these people, you know, we know who they are. They're, they're, they've come in from out of town, lots of different places, and they're kind of live streaming grandpas who that's what they do is they get a GoFundMe account and say, you know, crisis New Orleans, you have to come here right now and I have to go there and you have to send me money to my GoFundMe account to send me there and you have to buy my surveillance drone for $1,300. And I bet that dude never bought the surveillance drone. I'm just putting that out there. Well, this but, is a lot like the guys who took over the public, um, uh, the, uh, the son of the Bundy guy who took over the public property out west. And I was thinking, sure. you know, these guys are the champions of working class white people, supposedly, but none of them seem to have a job. <laughs> the millionaires. Uh, I guess <laughs> no, they're all getting funded that, by GoFundMe's. I don't know. Yeah, and it's too it's too easy to say, ironically, like uh, like they say about protesters, like why don't you have a job? But really, why don't they have? What do they do? Yeah, if you can take and two weeks this, it, to come to New Orleans and camp out under a, a statue, or they're probably not camping out; they're probably staying in hotels. They're staying in hotels and they're doing shifts, right? They're doing shifts, and, and I don't know. I don't know any working class people who can uh, who can do that really. No, and everyone I know in New Orleans who's protesting them is like working around their job and family schedules to be able to get to this stuff, right? Like it's it, it is crazy, and like and um, what was the next thing that I want to get to? Well, I'll just keep on that for a minute because it's it's a scam. It's really a scam, and I. I I think a lot of the people that follow their live streams, for better or for worse, mostly for worse, like are ideologically involved in this, but they're getting fleeced by these people, right? Mm-hmm. They're getting fleeced by these live streamers just taking their money to come on vacation in New Orleans. And, you know, they enjoy getting to trot around with a gun and yell at people, right? That's fun for them. Yeah. Uh, 
And just a side note, as someone who grew up around guns and shooting guns, their gun safety discipline is egregious and uh, a little bit frightening. Like That's the one frightening thing about them is that they keep muzzle-sweeping everyone because they have pot bellies and they're trying to live stream at the same time. They're trying to hold <laughs> an AR-15. Uh <laughs> Yeah, which is not good. I remember when I was a kid, I went hunting with my dad. I don't even know if we were hunting. I think we were out in the woods shooting, like, Vienna sausage cans. And this truck came by with another, like, dad and his kid. And the kid had his rifle hanging out the window because they were in the truck. And it was kind of resting on the window. So every time they would bump through the woods, the rifle would, like, bump up and down. <laughs> and so they're kind of, like, waving at us. And, like, my dad and I are, like, trying to figure out if we should, like, duck. or something. But it's, They're kind of like that, these guys. Um, yeah, and feel free to jump in anywhere in this story because I'm just going to go on for a while. But the other thing I wanted to get to, and David, maybe you will get this having lived in New Orleans. Um, one of the kind of things they've set up in their live streams is that um, they've conflated the city of New Orleans and kind of all the surrounding areas. So they're trying to say that they're here to defend the opinions of the people of New Orleans, whatever. So the people that get to come out there are from like Gretna and uh, Metairie West we go there Metairie they're like West Bank guys like rolling in and stuff Chalmette. and it's like yeah Chalmette it's like these are not people from New Orleans these are the white flight offspring of the integration right yep. um, and, and so you're setting them up and say oh they're from here and your guys aren't letting them talk it's like, you know they get to vote in Chalmette they get to vote in Gretna they get to vote in Metairie you know they, they're not from New Orleans I'm sorry um but that's kind of part of this whole scam that they're running. And that's the part we'll get to later with, like, the California people coming in and stuff. We're defending their free speech rights. There are people in New Orleans who don't want to get rid of the monuments. And those people are largely uptown, garden district, super wealthy white people who don't give a shit about any of these guys with the rebel flags and their guns. Right? And... One thing that makes me angry as someone who's kind of as a preservationist as part of that community is like why these preservation, quote unquote, people, uh, upper class people in New Orleans that want to keep the monuments. This is the in the obvious end result of everything they've been pushing for. So why aren't they out there with a rebel flag and a gun? Because these guys are clearly their allies. Yeah. So well, the optics are not them. uh, are not good. Well, right. They would have to stand out in the heat, and you know they'd rather they'd rather pay one hundred fifty dollars for VIP tickets to Jazz Fest and like sit in the sit in the accurate tent. And then they can always right? put another two hundred into the GoFundMe account of um, the the guy who's of the uh, live streaming grandpa. If they even do that, like I even think like getting on the the you know League of the South live stream is a little too much for them. You know, they'll just take out two-page ads in the paper. Well, and also and then they'd have to admit what, the, what it is that it's worth. That they're racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'd have to admit like what they're a part of, which is the logical end result of all of this stuff. It's the logical end result that you're going to have this. And the fact that they couldn't see that is baffling to me. So anyway, so what happens that on May Day? Uh, let me go through this real quick. Because this has been out there in the news a lot. Um, you know, so what happened was that peop- there was way more people there for the barbecue, the party, the monuments coming down celebration than there were uh, live streaming Confederates. And so they got honestly scared. And so they got on their live streams and started calling for backup with guns to show up immediately. Uh, 
Uh-uh. And then people started kind of occupying their space more and more. And they thought that everyone there was going to be really scared of them because that's how they keep talking to each other on the Internet. Like when we show up with our guns, these people are going to know what a real man is. And, you know, and so it kind of didn't happen. Everyone was kind of standing around laughing at them. And they don't have a counter strategy to being laughed at. Right. There is no. Ooh, that's one they're going to want no to develop. Them. Definitely. They're going to want to develop that one. Yeah, Yeah. if I can think of something that will occur frequently to them, it's being laughed at. And so they kind of assume that because they're there with the loaded weapons, people will take them seriously. And, you know, if you've lived in New Orleans long enough, being around a loaded weapon isn't (laughs) enough to make you take someone seriously. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So so they they started getting kind of laughed out of there. And there's one guy, I wish I knew his name, I've just called him Confederate Heckler, who was just relentless on them for like an hour, like nonstop, just relentless heckling them and all, also offering to fillet all of them. Um, <laughs> and even one of the cops said to me, he's like, I can't stop laughing at this guy and I'm trying to. And I'm like, yeah, I know, he's good. He's good. Um, and... And so, is he dressed yeah, like a, that was is there. he dressed like the last Confederate widow? The the Confederate or the heckler? The heckler. No, he was just dressed like a dude, but he should have. If been. he'd been dressed in a hoop skirt, it would have been be great. great. That would be great. I think the more they show up, the more absurd we'll have to get with that. That that well, I think fine. New Orleans uh, can rise to but, that challenge with no problem at all. Oh yeah, the costuming challenge. Yeah. I think we're there. I think we got that. Um, so, uh, what are some of the, so we also have uh, we also have the African American Confederate, who is also a giant internet scam. Andy, I'll just call him Andy. He goes by another name on the internet, but his name's Andy. Uh, he's the guy who shows up at all of these things, and he's like, "It's not racist because I'm here and I'm black, right?" Which is <laughs> that's a good scam. The dumbest. Yeah, it's a great scam, and is also the dumbest argument about how racism works ever, right? That's not that's not how racism works, right? Um, yeah, I'm like it's okay. You're you know, you're a black guy from Oklahoma. That does not mean that racism doesn't exist. Right? Yeah. Uh, people people are diverse. People have lots of different thoughts and I don't know what goes on in your mind, but it doesn't it doesn't absolve racism. Um, but he's he's kind of getting this riled up. He's got a really big uh, following live stream about it. Um, but he starts getting either honestly freaked out or freaked out for effect on the live stream. He's just getting scared, running around with a baseball bat, and he pulls out a thing of bear mace, which you know is designed to bait mace bear, yeah. and just start just maces this girl in the face with holy it, shit right in the face, yeah. Uh, and then people are like, oh, okay, and so. These guys have gotten scared. They've climbed up on the monument now, which is both metaphorical and literal. They're climbing on the monument. And um, so now just people just take this opportunity to just go ahead and leap over the fence. There's a small fence around it. Uh, The people against the monuments and to kind of take over the Confederate space. They're just going to stand on the monuments, too. Um, and this is also where the kind of gun thing fails because they're, you know, they're choosing, are we going to shoot people or are we going to let them up here? So you just have all of these people up on the monument with them, making them really uncomfortable, but unarmed people just like kind of hanging out with them and like making jokes and like, hey, how's it going? What's going on with this? Um, right. And then you have this girl who's been bear maced. So while all of this is going on, 
uh, a giant swamp buggy full of anarchist wheels. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I don't know where that where it's from. It's spraying diesel. It stopped at the stoplight. It's honking its horn. Is it rolling and it coal? It just wheels up. I think it runs up coal. I think it was rolling coal the whole way there. I think there's probably little people in it, like shoveling coal. And um, it has a giant banner on the side that says like "fuck off Nazis," and it just wheels up with all these anarchist flags and a lot of the people in it are from New Orleans so I'm not sure where the truck came from there's a lot of New Orleans people and they just start passing out anarchist flags and like and this is all the confederates start shitting their pants um so then then this is they the the people the anarchists and other people from New Orleans who've taken over the monument they're handing them flags up onto the monument so the the confederates decide they're going to burn the anarchist flags which I don't think they've quite made the ideological step to understanding that doesn't do anything because anarchists are anarchists and, and like don't care about flags that's part of the deal right so when they start doing that the anarchists just start giving them flags and say well I don't care about the flag you can burn it I'll, I'll burn it with you it's not a great flag um, and so you can see that they just they don't have a strategy they don't really have a strategy for this at all um but then, you know, NOPD started showing up in force, probably appropriately, as there are people with loaded weapons everywhere. And so I should add, Louisiana is an open carry state, but it is not legal to carry guns at a demonstration or within a thousand feet of a demonstration or any kind of weapons. Uh. So what they're doing is, from the beginning, completely illegal. Um, also, some of these people are convicted felons and stuff. Uh, so... Right. So NOPD ends up arresting people, but mostly people that are protesting. And the ones that I saw seemed really shady. They arrested a guy I know for public intoxication, and I was standing there talking to him, and I do not think he was intoxicated. And this is New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, The girl who got bear-maced in the face, she asked the police for help. They told her she could go home and call 911, but they couldn't do anything. Um. So it was kind of a weird situation. And then there was a few fights that broke out, but that was broken up pretty quickly. And then the police uh, decided they were going to escort the Confederates out of there because it was not a safe situation for them anymore, which is probably, you know, I don't think they were in any real danger other than their imaginary danger, but they were kind of out of tactics they could go to. That was, they were kind of hit their limit, but... Like, all that was left was, like, actually shooting people for them, yeah. uh, which I think probably crossed their minds. And if you watch the live stream, it did cross their minds. They're trying to come up with excuses to shoot people. So the police escorted them out, and they kind of, like, load up in the back of a pickup truck appropriately <laughs> and uh, with flat tires did they, and drive uh, off. Did they spin out, like, when they were... Like, well, they couldn't because their tires were flat, but oh, they no. did join, like, a T-ball parade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wave all the way down canal and then some of them caught the streetcar which was like the lonely confederates <laughs> waiting for the streetcar <laughs> it was the guy who had been crowdfunding for the surveillance drone so I guess he didn't crowdfund for like rental car mm-hmm. um, so yeah and so the police like kind of forced us across the street and it's kind of like whatever that's fine and then um, yeah I just went home cause it's like a, but part of that was you know mission accomplished the whole thing is the, the city says they're you know, waiting to take these down, and there's also Confederate armed Confederates on them. But like now, there aren't Confederates on that Jefferson Davis monument anymore. So, job well done. Do you know why uh, they're waiting to take them down? 
Yeah, so it's been supposed to, they've been supposed to come down for like two or three years now. Um, the every because because it's a public works project, they have to put out bids on it. And so when they initially did, the, the firms that were putting bids on it were getting threatened, death threats. And one of, they had was a car bombing. So they're receiving death threats from these people if, if any company steps up to do it. And so this is part of the game, right? So when the Liberty Place one was taken down, they did it at night, they did it secretly, and the contractors wore, like, masks, right? So they couldn't be identified. And so then all the Confederates like, why are you doing this in the middle of the night? Why are you wearing masks? This is tyranny. It's like, well, you could just do it normally if you guys wouldn't send them death threats and bomb bomb things, right? Yeah. Um, so that's why. But so that leads, that's a good question because that leads us into what's going on all this week. Because uh, the group Take Em Down NOLA, who's a great group here in New Orleans, um, are saying we should be happy about taking them down. Let's take them down in daylight so we can all celebrate them being taken down, um, which is good, I think. So because all of these these uh, live streamers with their GoFundMe accounts were sending out all across the country about their desperate situation because... You know, people who actually live in New Orleans, mainly in Mid-City, had like a barbecue in front of them, uh, and it terrified them. <laughs> it's so funny that if you watch their live streams, you start to understand how media works in a weird way, right? Because I was there, and the only thing that was dangerous was their gun safety problems. That that was it. Do you think they uh, could ha- mm-hmm. an impromptu hip-hop performance broke out? <laughs> I think it might have. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. There might have been some rude language. And people dressed up uh, as gangsters. <laughs> yeah, if you consider the Confederacy a gang, <laughs> they definitely were. And if you, yeah, and there were some bikers with Nazi paraphernalia, so <laughs> yeah. yes. There were some, some pretty bad gangs. I do not think their hip-hop flow was great, but you never know these days. Yeah. Cultural appropriation is a real real thing. Um, the, you know, they could so, be big Bubba Sparks fans. <laughs> hey man. Hey, I don't want to put Bubba Sparks in a box with those guys because he's actually a good rapper. Well, I know up in Bobby they and love play- Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> and Bubba. That's true. I've heard Bone Thugs and Harmony so many times this week, and I don't know what happens. What, ha- what happened? I, I hope it's not because I'm going to the crossroads anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> with, with with his dog and Uncle Charles, we'll all meet there. Um, but. <clears throat> Uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony apparently played at the boot in New Orleans a few years ago, and like one of them showed up <laughs> and passed out in the back. That was <laughs> um, so yeah, sorry. I'll try to get to this story faster. I, I don't know if it's interesting or boring no, or not, but no. jump in anywhere in it. Um, so okay, so all this happened, and these guys are live streaming out. It's crazy. So what's well, So the way they frame it, I was there. Not that dangerous. Uh, except for them, but they frame it as we're under attack by Antifa. Antifa is like they're it's being busted in from all over the country to get us. You, we gotta, you gotta need help. We need backup. And it's like I saw like a few Antifa people there that I know, and like the only kind of scuffle that broke out with them was because, um, well, one the bear mace, and other was that the Confederate people did the thing where they're like walking past you but accidentally kneeing you when you're sitting on the ground, which is classy. Um, they also do that. They will, off of the live stream, like threaten to murder and rape people. And then if you react to it, come back with the live stream and say, look at these angry people yeah. trying to fight us. Right? Yeah. It's just like skinheads used to do at punk shows where they have their girlfriend go bump into you. 
And if you say, I'm sorry, they'll beat you up for flirting with their girlfriend. And if you don't say you're sorry, they'll beat you up for being mean to their girlfriend. Huh. It's the exact same tactics. Yeah. Um, I remember so, him from so, high school. I mean, junior high. Yeah. Sorry. It, <laughs> yeah, no, it's completely that level. It's total, like, junior high school bully stuff. And it's so silly. But it's not even like they're the bullies. Like, they are the really shitty kids who, like, stand around because the bully's there and, like, giggle. <laughs> it's just they have they have the live stream. But um, so they've put up this, this call, this clarion call across the nation for backup. And so all, all of the posters, all of the people who live on the Internet, all of the GoFundMe live streaming grandpas, all of the, like, the selfie stick fascists um, – respond to this call and they're like okay we're going to new orleans to defend the people of new orleans when not i didn't see anyone from new orleans on the monuments on may day i saw a dude from new jersey who lives in gretna and another guy from like west we go or something they're not nobody from new orleans there yeah um so they put out this call so all of these people just start rolling into town like outlaw bikers all the base stick men <laughs> um, the bread stick men as my friend Mark calls them I don't know what that is um, there's the dude in California who shows he showed up at the Berkeley protest with like a helmet and a gas mask and a stick oh and those a shield. guys yeah okay yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what did LARPing used to be called before it was LARPing um, the Society creative for Creative Anachronism yeah yeah, they're like total. They are Renaissance Fair nerds who like want to see what it's like to actually get in a fight. Um, I, t- I saw a thing online, so, I think, where uh, mm-hmm. somebody was telling people to bring broom handles for uh, flag poles. I think with the idea that you can use yeah. a broom handle as a weapon. Right, and then afterwards they're all going to play Quidditch because they're nerds. <laughs> um, hey. Hey, yeah, and, and like base hey, 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 he's, he watch yeah. that. Oh, oh, sorry. That, that's our base. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um, no, but they should just accept. They should embrace that. The sooner, like, if they showed up to like LARP with that stuff on, I would hang out with them. Yeah. Like that. That part looks fun. You want to run around New Orleans like a shield and a broomstick? That's awesome. Like, but like, don't do it in support of Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty easy. Okay. Yeah. Good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. Bring bring your best costume. It's fine. Um, so they, all these people start rolling into town. And the worst part of this is that because all these guys live on the Internet, they just start doxing all of the people who are there on Monday night, which is which means for anyone who doesn't know, looking for their picture on the Internet, trying to match a picture up with the name, and then trying to release all of their personal information in the hopes that someone will target them either on the internet or in real life, which is most of these guys, like, I don't care. They can show up at my office anytime. They're silly, but there are crazy people in the world and it's not a good idea to release everyone's information to those crazy people. Yes. So that's when like, it's like, okay, this is getting weird. This is not, not good. Um, uh, and then all these guys are going to wheel on town. Today. So, Here's another thing where they're crazy. So this march has been planned for a while. The date moves around a little bit. But it's been planned for a while. So Take Him Down NOLA wanted to have a celebration of taking down the monuments to show that like people here wanted them to be taken down. And it's a good thing. And we can do it in the light of day. Um, on the Internet, these guys, I can't, I really honestly can't tell if they are kind of so ridiculous and so hyped up on their own kind of fervor that they they 
deliberate did they under misunderstood what was going on or did they deliberately misunderstood it for profit i think it's probably the latter but they started saying that the take them down nola march was an antifa action to tear down uh lee circle lee monument and like that's <laughs> in no way shape or form true it's in no way shape or form feasible like take them down nola doesn't do things like that, they march and organize and speak, and they're very effective at and it. And when you see how uh, high they up don't... that statue is, like, how are you gonna? How are you gonna march? I guess you could make a human pyramid, oh. like an incredibly huge human mm-hmm. pyramid, to get how how high up is that thing? Like, like one hundred and twenty feet or something. Pretty high. You know, there's a room inside of it too. Inside of the bottom, the base of the monument, In, or inside of no, Lee up at the himself. top of it. <laughs> up, up, just under Lee at the top. And that is where they keep the secret documents that say that uh, the Civil War really wasn't about slavery. <laughs> That's that. And someone Those told are me the that. Trumps, someone the told Trump me cards that they're going to yeah. pull out. Uh, uh, <laughs> Somebody told me that Monday night, and I thought it was a great joke, and they said, no, that's really what some people were passing around on the internet. <laughs> it's like, so Nicolas Cage was probably up there figuring it out. Dan Brown. Dan Brown was up in there. And the ghost of Umberto. Right <laughs> well, no, because, yeah. I think he had a better imagination than that, but maybe. Um, well, he was writing, up there anyway. watching the other two. That was his uh, Foucault's yeah. pendulum. It was all about how this conspiracy happens because there are people foolish enough to believe in the conspiracy. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, he wrote that so, in the statue. <laughs> yeah, that was inside inside of Lee. Maybe, but given these guys' kind of creative imaginations, maybe they thought we all had grappling hooks and we were going to like scale it. Could be. The irony is when they finally topple that whole pediment at the bottom mm-hmm. underneath, Peace on Earth will be written there. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the song from Billy Jack. Yeah. (laughs) My, this is is not original. Someone said it a while, but my favorite proposal to replace Lee Circle is to rename it Bruce Lee Circle. uh, (laughs) Because one, everybody loves Bruce Lee. And two, you don't have to change the name. Yeah. Because it could still be Lee Circle. And the statue at the top of the... um, Pillar there would be outrageously good. Yeah, you could just put Bruce Lee. Sta- Who doesn't want a Bruce Lee statue yeah. in their city? Yeah, with a secret room in it. Yeah, a secret room where everyone can go, like have a herbal herbal tea that kills them, <laughs> <laughs> or be assassinated by the the, the gangs, whichever. So or inside of right, so Abu Jabbar could be camping out in the secret room. <laughs> that would be great. And Chuck Norris would glue on back hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Be great, but Chuck Norris is probably on the ground with the chuds today. I yeah, don't know. probably so. We'll see. Um, so I'll just go through today very quickly. So today, so this march was organized, and all these guys are saying they're going to, you know, show up and kill all of us. Uh, but NOPD fortunately decided to enforce the no weapons uh, requirement. So immediately, like immediately, they have lost this battle. That is even the right terminology to use because. They're showing up to a peaceful march that was planned, never planned as anything other than a peaceful march, um, to yell. They came in from out of state to yell at people from New Orleans, you know, flying rebel flags and like Nazi regalia, um, you know, just about nonsense. So they're not threatening now because they don't have any guns. They're just like really ridiculous looking people, like a homemade suits of armor, 
and like old grandpas and like guys carrying shield, like the Society for Creative Anachronism guys just yelling at people. Uh, and so, you know, the march went well. We marched from Congo Square, which if you know New Orleans, Congo Square, everyone in America should know because I think is that's kind of the cultural epicenter of America is Congo Square. That's where jazz comes from and because of that that's probably where rock and roll the blues all emanate from there right that was the cultural melting pot of america um and so we left from there there's a bunch of like uh people from new orleans who did like drumming and singing there we left we marched up marched to the french quarter marched up the lee circle and you know fortunately it's all really anticlimactic because there's not not that many Confederates. There's very few. There's way more cops than there are them, and there's way more of us than there are cops. And so I, I'm really bad at estimating crowd numbers, but I would say there's a few hundred uh, people for the Taken Down Nolan March. It varied depending on where we were in the parade route. There's I, I would I'm bad at estimating between around around 400, maybe more, maybe less. I don't know. But so we went there. Uh, the take him down to the leadership, talk for a little bit, and I thought said very effectively and very accurately that <clears throat> the Lee, Lee Circle is an altar to white supremacy, and that kind of system of supremacy is a system that also affects the Confederate grandpas, even if they don't know that it's affecting them. Um, and there's a big cheer for that, and then the Confederate grandpas yelled, no, but it's true. <laughs> like, like Darth Vader. Uh, <laughs> and they disintegrated no no you just told us the truth um and then you know and then we kind of just broke up from there and that that was it it was and so these these guys came in like spoiling for a fight to have something to put on their live stream and they're just at a peaceful march where nobody wants to fight them really and they're just and also now all the free speech douchebags are mixed in with all the actual Nazis and they're all there together you know so that we know who they are so now like we we have them on video knowing who they are so it's a tremendous cell phone on their part not a cell phone but a cell phone on their part uh, and I think it just makes them look entirely ridiculous I and just I now think, got it I just now got yeah. it yeah a cell phone you yeah. got it um, and <laughs> And when you, you know, I think a it's a great phone, moment. A cell phone. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, a cell phone. Right. Uh, so, also, I think it helps because I know a lot of people who aren't part of organizing a marching in New Orleans were reluctant to come out for this because it seemed dangerous. And I think the more we show that these people are not a credible threat, is when we organize against them, the the more people will turn up and uh, show their support for taking the monuments down. So I think it is. A success um, in in that thing, and I and I'm proud of everyone for showing up and doing it. And uh, New Orleans is a really great city. So that's that's what I have to say about you it. You said there was some infighting on, on between the between the Nazis. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So the 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 Nazis apparently so they got arrested before we. I think all of all of the arrests. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the paper. All the arrests from tonight were from them fighting each other. So the free. Beach uh, LARPers from California go funded me themselves out here, and then one of them had a homemade suit of armor, but they were standing around with the League of the South, whose entire 
reason to exist are being hardcore racists. And they asked the California guys asked them to tone down the racism a little bit. And the League of the South or whoever, what other Nazis were with them, said like, "Uh, we're just going to push you over in your suit of armor and kind of threw them on the ground. Um, And so, yeah, so they were getting arrested before we even showed up because like when you're that ridiculous, you're not going to when you can't get along with other people, you're not going to be able to get along with your own crew either. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so it was ridiculous. And then for a victory lap, I went uh, with the family and kind of we drove around. This is an unintentional victory lap. We were just going to pick up my bicycle, but it was a nice day. So we drove across the Industrial Canal and waited for the bridge to open and close and drove down to the Lower Ninth Ward and drove around your old neighborhood on Cluett and thought, man, this is a really nice city. I'm very proud of it. Yep. Well, that sounds great. It sounds so anyway, like a good day. Good day. I'm very tired. I have a sunburn. <laughs> from Jazz Fest and this, but it, it's all right. Uh, so I have a few other things I wanted to talk about this week, but before that, was there anything you guys wanted to talk about? Um, I, I think I kind of wanted to bring something up that uh, we might want to talk about more. Um, maybe we were going to do a, an episode at some point about movies, and maybe it'd be good to kind of mm-hmm. fold into one of those episodes or one of those podcasts mm-hmm. to talk about... Yeah how much of being Southern is performative and like the mm-hmm. ways that um, the, the rest of the world uh, responds to some performances of Southernness and not to others. Like those guys, um, you know, up North, they're, uh, they're racists and white supremacists who live in the West and on the coasts and in the North are eating up that version of the South, that those are real men and the real South right. and waving the flags and all that. And Chad, you mm-hmm. uh, sent us an article this week about uh, flying the rebel flag in Ohio, right? right Iowa. In the north. Yeah, it was Iowa, but I got uh. about, they talked about Iowa, but um, it was, and they also, they interviewed, they interviewed a guy in uh, who sold Confederate flags, and he talked about how, since the shooting in North Carolina and the shooting in Charleston, his like northern, well, like his business had boomed, and like it had went from like five percent of his customers were from the north to like thirty. I think it was twenty eight percent were now like people from the north order or places that were not the south. Uh, ordering Confederate flags, and he says, "I hated, I hated all the controversy, but you know, controversy is good for business." Yeah, that's talking what about the. Know. I think that's what CNN says about everything in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, moral of the story is capitalism is generally bad. Yeah. Yeah. Good night. Thank you. Good night. And, and they just talked, my work here is done. And they interviewed like one it. guy that said, "Well, I just I I identify with like their independence and their their fight for what they believe in, and I don't really agree <laughs> with all the slavery stuff. But the Civil War was about so much more than slavery, and except it wasn't. Yeah. There's it's kind of an internet meme at this point, I think. But somebody had the sign today that I think is so accurate is uh, it's easy to say the Civil War was about money when your ancestors weren't currency. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah, and I mean every every central document says, "Hey guys, by the way, this is about slavery." 
Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you this is about slavery. I don't know how much more I can emphasize this is about slavery. Yeah, all the and articles of secession no. and... Um, uh, every, like, every state's one, every and one. Stevens, and Calhoun says it. Yeah, and Stevens, too, the vice president of the Confederacy, was yes. very big on... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, kind of the counter to that is, well, you know, Lincoln didn't like black people either. It's like, well, you know, I'm not, I don't want Lincoln to be president right now either, yeah. right? Yeah. He's a historical figure. And he's a historical figure from the 1860s. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to go too far off on a Civil War tangent, but um, um, for me, <laughs> I think that <laughs> we talk about Honest Abe and all that, but um, mm-hmm. I think he said a lot of what was politically expedient. And I think he was an abolitionist when he got elected president, and he sort of claimed not to be when it was politically expedient not to because you couldn't elect a an abolitionist president. Oh sure. I think he was a good politician, right? And so like I think I think it's, you know, terrible that he said the things he did about African Americans, but I think that he well, it's hard to know what he actually believed, but I think he was being a political figure. Well and it's it's certainly there's a tendency to want to take the worst of everything he had to say and say this is what's true because why else would you say something so horrible but times have changed in such a way that back then the horrible things are what was really appealing to a lot of people and things like I think that we should end slavery in this country was considered the thing that you can't say in public you know and so uh, to me those things carry more weight because they were politically more unpopular things to say Unless John Brown showed up at your door, then you should definitely say that you agree with ending slavery immediately. Absolutely. Um, but don't go... <laughs> I agree, I agree, John. <laughs> but don't go with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, we'll meet you there, John. Yeah. <laughs> see you in Harper's Ferry. Was that we'll the third or the fifth? Wait, did you say that was on the third? Because <laughs> I was planning to go on the fifth. Yeah. We'll be there. We'll be there, John. Got your back, buddy. Mm. All right. So um, I had these two articles for this week, and we've spent a lot of time talking about New Orleans, but I think we can touch on these briefly. I have one that I think is a really good article and one that is another terrible one. Um, do you mind if I touch on the good one real quick? Sounds good. This this pertains to kind of what what's going on in New Orleans as well. Uh, this was about were you following the when Richard Spencer uh, spoke at Auburn last week? Mm, no, uh, I think everybody's favorite. No, fascist. I wasn't right on top of it. Uh, I heard something okay. about it, but right. So it was controversial. He was going to speak at you know I. Uh, my take on him is that he is also a GoFundMe scam artist. But he he was going to speak at Auburn. Auburn said no, reneged on it, and then a judge said they had to let him speak, so he spoke there. So there's a piece put out by these people who were kind of professional organizers who were trying to organize um, like anti-fascist kind of black bloc agitating uh, towards that event. And very interesting, I think very effectively – they went to Auburn to do black block tactics and admitted that their tactics failed and then wrote a piece about why their tactics failed. Um, and so I don't really want to get much into like anti-fascist organizing. So that's 
probably be really boring for a lot of people, not what this podcast is. But some points, of they, they were able to be critical of themselves about why they failed, I thought were very relevant. So I'll just, um, I've condensed this, so I'll tell these parts. So this is called um, Outside Agitators, But Who's Agitating? Uh, and it's by three members of the Atlanta General Defense Committee. So here, I'll just read these parts. So it says, The scene in Auburn, Alabama when we showed up was one of the most bizarre we've ever seen in a political context. Neo-Nazi spokesperson Richard Spencer had just been allowed to begin his speech in Foy Hall after a local judge negated Auburn University's decision to cancel his event. The live stream showed a packed audience, though some were opponents. Outside, there was a large crowd of students and onlookers standing in the crowd, looking to our left and right. It was often impossible to tell if our neighbors or spectators trolls, anti-Spencer Auburn students, college Republicans, or fascists. We were able to identify some people in the crowd as fascists due to their MAGA hats or giant American flags, but they did a much better job of blending into the crowd than many of the anti-fascists did. Many of the anti-fascists were dressed in black and were armed in helmets and other aspects of the uniform that made them stand out from anyone from Auburn. The most visible fascists themselves were already in the auditorium, which meant that for the next several hours, the only visible outsiders for the crowd were the anti-fascists. For people in the crowd, anti-fascism looked like a specialized thing, while the fascists themselves were abstract and out of sight. So that's kind of the most technical part. That's the lead-in. So I'm going to get to the other parts here. Before we talk about more what happened, let's talk about Alabama and Auburn. It seems unlikely that many anti-fascists were familiar with Auburn before Spencer's speech was announced or had ever spent time in Alabama. We don't mean to score cheap points here. Obviously, most of us have not been to most parts of the U.S. and may not have heard of every city. However, we think that the U.S. left simultaneously ignores and scorns the South in general and the Deep South in particular. Furthermore, Auburn, home to one of Alabama's two main universities, has its own particular culture and significance within Alabama. Alabama. So I think they're exactly right in what they're getting at here. I think I, I agree up to a point, yeah. What point do you not agree until? Well, I think that um, um, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of a tangent and might go a little long, but basically that um, the, the, there's liberals in Auburn. There's liberals all over. There's and the idea that the I guess there's a liberal kind of power structure in a way, or or progressive power mm-hmm. structure, and uh, maybe there's not as much attention paid to the hinterlands as there should be. Uh, but right, um, it seems like there's a lot of criticism implicit there that I don't necessarily see because I don't think that you have to go to every small town, every um, um, uh, outside part of um, uh, the world to have legitimate political claims and to have political legitimacy. And also I think that um, the, well, He's, he's sort of saying the thing and unsaying it at the same time. Um, um, you know, the, the, um, that it's perfectly okay not to, but that they should. Or that it's perfectly understandable yeah, think, that they don't, but that they should. I think part of it is that I've condensed it, but okay. I think that might be what they're getting at. Um, so let me, let me continue. Okay. Say. There's a, there's a dominant stereotype that white people in the Deep South are ignorant conservatives. This stereotype comes from liberal institutions. Think of the character Kenneth on 30 Rock, which I know, Chad, you brought up mm-hmm. earlier. And it carries over into the left if it is not consciously challenged, which it usually isn't. 
Of course, this contributes to a hostile or skeptical attitude from Alabamians when there is any engagement. There hasn't been any meaningful left presence in Alabama since the 70s. I think they're referring to like organizational structures here. And very few attempts by contemporary left groups to engage seriously with Alabama. When the U.S. left spends decades ignoring the Deep South, we are telling ourselves and the rest of the world that we don't believe there's any meaningful organizing to be done there. The right wing doesn't make the same mistake. So I see, what, I see the point you're making, but I think they're talking about from like, yeah, like a left organizational structure. I can see that, yes. I think one of the things is that I don't join anything and I don't, I don't really follow that sort of thing. And so when I think about groups of people, I think of people who casually happen to be uh, grouped together categorically rather than people who have institutional ties to one another. And so I can certainly see yeah, that they're, uh, uh, that institutionally a lot of the South is excluded from uh, progressive organizations. And I think, and I agree that it's a horrible mistake. I mean, um, uh, um, there's the other article about um, uh, the mayoral election in Jackson that is a great mm-hmm. example of why that's a bad idea to ignore the potential to organize white Southern liberals or white Southern moderates even and black Southerners together, I think could change the entire political structure of the South. One hopes. Yeah. Uh, it's, fu- it's funny that they mentioned Kenneth in here because Chad, like off air, you had brought up Kenneth as, mm-hmm. a, as a character the other day. Mm-hmm. As uh, the, the the typical Southerner um, from Stone the Mountain. Immortal, the immortal, immortal Southerner, though. The immortal Southerner from Stone Mountain, Georgia. And I'm never sure like how ironic they're being with that because Stone Mountain is like a majority African-American community, I believe. Yeah, I think... Um, but, I, but I think Donald Glover wrote... A lot of that, yeah, right? He, and he wrote, fr- yeah, he was one of the main writers on a big chunk of this. You know, one of the original writers. I think I might be wrong, but so he peak human being, Donald Glover. Yeah, um, yeah, and he's from Stone Mountain, an African American. So I got to think like part of it is like his joke, right? I don't know. Um, that the most. Are you aware of this theory that Donald Glover is the peak human being? <laughs> no, <laughs> I like it though. Like evolution. Yeah, oh, it's true. I mean, he's like. Just, insanely talented he's actually a good rapper he's actually a good comedy writer he's a good actor and he's like a really good looking guy who's in really good shape he's he's the the total package hi Donald I'm out here for you Donald Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, no Uh, so okay I'll just read a little bit more of this so the consequences of this are getting to this. Hey, in short, we treated them like others who might get in our way and ruin things for us is it any wonder they treated us the same so then they have the line, uh, I like this heading, it says, spectators only exist when spectacles produce them. So the vibe was already tense when the group began chanting what sounded like Atlanta, Atlanta, anti-fascista. In response, someone in the crowd began an Auburn fight song that none of the out-of-towners knew. Everyone from Auburn immediately joined in, fist-pumping, and those of us from out-of-town were conspicuously silent, confused, vastly outnumbered, pressed in, and scared. Yeah. Now you're, you're at Auburn. You should be. <laughs> I say as an Alabama grad. Uh, 
So at a certain point, this is when the, the Richard Spencer and his crew were leaving. At a certain point, the barricades ended and the Nazis and the crowd met. A confrontation developed directly between some students and the fascists. Some fascists outnumbered and, and overpowered had to flee to sprint from the students. There were some anti-fascists there when this started, but they were far outnumbered by the students who chased the fascists off campus and into the downtown area. The militant vanguard of the students seemed to be, quote-unquote, good old boys, the same type that we had been writing off or at least vaguely wary of the whole night. They not only ran the Nazis off campus, they caught up to some of them in the town and pushed, beat, or taunted at least a few of them to chant, so Tiger Town beats Nazis down. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, SEC. War SEC. Eagle. War, War Eagle. Eagle. This sudden militancy of the crowd was a victory salvaged from the jaws of defeat. The militant posture of the black bloc was not only completely ineffective, but at several points it led to the edge of disaster. We have to wonder at this point whether the presence of the black bloc had any positive impact. So I think that's a very good self-analysis they're doing. Um, And then this next, it's almost done here. The next part says, Pride of Alabama, victory belongs to the Auburn students, not us. We failed, but the Auburn students did not. They were the most militant, the most able. While they weren't organized in any political fashion, loose social networks and an identity around their school allowed them to move quickly and decisively to chase out the fascists from the campus and run them out of town. So it goes on, but the takeaway, the lessons from it is that they made the mistake going in of thinking of Auburn as being a, like a backwards hick town when really it's a thriving college town and assuming that because uh, even frat guys who look like good old boys would also would not be against fascist Nazis, right? So they, I think, made a lot of assumptions about who people were going in. And it seemed to me like a very good analysis of how sometimes the left bungles organizing in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Maybe my quibble would be the idea that it's a good thing to run people down and beat them up in town, regardless of what their political <laughs> views are. <laughs> you know, this idea that, like, um, uh, we needed some shock troops here to go in and crack some heads, and it turned out it wasn't us. We failed there, <laughs> and someone else succeeded. To me, I mean, um, certainly if there's going to be a rumble, I know who I want to win. But... Um, I'm, um, yeah, I don't know, man. For me, when there's a rumble, that seems to me like a, a generally a loss. I mean, I think that it's partly it? as, yeah. um, you know, aside from Stonewall, I can't think of any situation where uh, my people, gay people, don't end up getting beat down in those situations. You know, it's like the good guys, the bad guys, um, uh, they all sort of, try to find the smallest minority, the weakest minority, and the most, um, and sort of build around the idea of doing violence towards people who are not innately violent. And so anytime the violence is a tactic, to me, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not on the side of the, uh, of the other, you know, maybe that's sort of an ACLU idea. Yeah, man, you ACLU guys. No, I mean, I think there's a long, I think there's a very long debate to be had about tactics and strategies in that sense. But I think what I like from this piece was not necessarily the anti-fascist organizing black bloc part of it, but the part that that says that you know that recognizes that being able to kind of identify who's on what side in like. Auburn-sized southern towns, or probably anywhere for that matter, is is sometimes difficult in assuming that good old boys are also 
pro-Nazi is a pretty large mistake. Yes. Because yeah. Yeah. that's what I was kind of thinking about today with the, the parade. It's like usually, you know, NOPD state troopers especially, we don't assume to be on the side of leftists. But I also imagine that having Nazi biker gangs threatening to bring weapons into New Orleans, like, pisses them off, I would imagine. Well, yeah, I think it's a tactical victory anytime that um, your political opponents reveal themselves to literally be Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) So it seems to to be having a resurgence, though. (laughs) Well, yeah, but... um, So that was that... But the but the resistance to it is much easier to put together than um, resistance to Ronald Reagan. The resistance to Nazism is well, yeah. Well, creeping neoliberalism is very difficult because it penetrates every layer of your life, even if you don't support it. And also because but a enough lot about of my think that no. um, have increasingly come to think that all social discourse should be about money. And that money is the sort of arbiter of right and wrong and good politics and bad mm. politics. It all has to do with keeping the markets healthy. And so, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways that battle is, it might not be lost, uh, but we're losing it. If we're arguing against neoliberalism in economic terms, because so many people have bought the fantasy that what's good for the uh, Dow Jones is good for them. Yeah, and it's only very few people are invested in the stock market. Only very people have that ability. Uh, well, aside from their pensions, which I think are mostly in the stock market in order to vest them so that you can uh, manipulate their votes. I just assume I will have a pension one day, but I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> don't assume don't too know. long or you end up without one, I've been told. Well, here's a weird thing. This is a digression. Here's a weird thing. When I was 18, like, I, I thought, I read all this stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm going to start saving for my retirement now. That makes sense. I'm going to invest this and save it. And so I started with money doing that, like, when I was in college. And then uh, the economy crashed when I was, like, 27 or something. And I had to take all that money out and, like, pay rent. I, so I think there's a whole generation of us who like don't know what a pension is. I started stockpiling pills at 18 uh, for my retirement. Also effective. Also effective. I just plan on dying at work. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Every day. It's very likely. Yeah. <laughs> I started stockpiling grievances. I think I've got enough to live, live the rest of my life. Well, that's why, you know, I'm going for the academic route, because even though there aren't academic jobs anymore, I can do those non-existent jobs until I'm 95. <laughs> Just like, you know, hey, hey, kids. Oh, yeah. Capitalism well, that's why there work. aren't any academic jobs, because everybody who's ha- who has right. them is doing them until exactly they're 95. Right. That's why, it's that's starting exactly with right. really my generation, like, uh, there's a, you know, very few of us are even tenure-tracked, let alone tenured and the generation before us, when they reached my age, they had tenure. And now there's not even the jobs, because those people are still in the jobs. Yeah. And will be That's why we're all- forever, because um, they're sweet jobs, and you can do them without being mentally competent. <laughs> yeah. You can do them without even being good at it. Yep. Without even putting effort forwards. Uh, well, uh, I mean, that's you why put I'm waiting in a on, the- on the front. Mm-hmm. Like, 
getting tenure and uh, establishing academic bona fides and all that is um, is not easy. I'm not denigrating the uh, the endeavor at all. I'm just saying that uh, there comes a point where if you're so inclined, you can coast. That is 100% accurate. <clears throat> okay, so have we reached the point in the show where I read the terrible article for the day? Yay! Yay! This is a uh, this is really this is really great. Uh, <laughs> I want to say my enthusiasm was real and Chad's was not. I just want to point that out. <laughs> Chad Chad's was real. Uh, Chad's, that's as real. That's as real. That's as real as Chad gets. Right that's there. Real. I'm woke but sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> That was 100%, 110% Chad Watson right there. <laughs> so this has to do with this week's controversy in New Orleans, but it's by the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. <laughs> it doesn't have a byline. I think it's just by, I think it's by the three guys who work there. Where is it? Where is that? <laughs> Pasted. Uh, Arkansas. I don't know. Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Is it a town? Is it a town up. paper or is it? Yeah. Democrat Gazette is a town in Arkansas. <laughs> Ar- it's Arkansas. Arkansas City. Arkansas. It's next to Two Egg. Over by Moscow and Two Egg. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think the guys in the back got together and, like, they pasted it together from, like, uh, cut-up newspaper scraps. <laughs> I kind of picture, who's the newspaper man on Deadwood? I kind of picture him, like, writing it as he's walking around his perambulations with the Russian telegraph operator. Anyway. Um, we can have... So, this... Yeah. This is called Don't Lynch History, Despite Whatever's Today, Whatever Today's Night Riders Demand. So I just want to say, what does David Hasselhoff have yeah. to do with this story? <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, <laughs> picture David Hasselhoff like, you cannot tear down these monuments. <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> I, I, do, or no, I demand that you do do it. I'm the Knight Rider. All right. So here it is. Um, Little Rock, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, it's out of Little Rock. Little Rock. It is the newspaper of record in the U.S. state of Arkansas, according to their Wikipedia page. Wow, Michael. Okay, and I'm just Michael. I think these monuments are culturally inappropriate. <laughs> tear them down. We got to tear them down, kid. Also, come pick me up. Um, this. Uh, David, as an English teacher, as a teacher of composition, you are going to enjoy this article. Here it goes. Jump in whenever. It could have been a scene out of the postbellum South, only with the images reversed, as on a photographic plate. This time the mass marauders, once again acting under color of law, were adjusting the noose around a monument to New Orleans and the whole South passed. Piece by piece they took it apart in the dead of night, as if torturing their victim before carting away the remains to an as yet undecided or at least undisclosed location. Oh, man. That's, that's what we call This is actual torture prose. Yeah, this is torture prose about tortured prose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, so, I mean, and look, it's clearly he's describing a lynching, right? Yeah. Uh, which is what that so, monument was uh, commemorating, right? Right. And so he's saying don't take down a monument to a lynching, but describing a lynching... Uh, and it's, so yeah, adjusting well, the news. up on that. <laughs> oh, God, one hundred ten percent Chad Watson. <laughs> oh, God, 
Like, mass marauders adjusting the noose piece by piece in the dead of night. Oh, my Lord. Okay, next paragraph. It was all done under cover of darkness, as if the perpetrators of this crime against history knew very well what they were doing and were intent on hiding the evidence. Huh? One after the other, these monuments are to pay the ultimate penalty. One after the other, three more memorials dedicated to the memory of yesterday's heroes, but today's villains, Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and Louisiana's own Pierre Gustave Toutant Beauregard <laughs> are to be effaced from history. Holy crap. Oh, man. Um, speaking as somebody, oh, as a Southerner who yeah. had a great-grandfather who rode with Sherman burning down plantations, um, <laughs> those guys weren't heroes back then either. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they weren't heroes. They're heroes like a really small percentage of people and a really and then again heroes at a very particular moment in time when people wanted to access heroes to support white supremacy, right? <laughs> um, and also... The monuments can't pay an ultimate price. They're inanimate objects. Yeah. There's, they don't pay any price. They get moved around. Uh, and, and again, just to say, done under cover of darkness was because people were threatening to kill the people doing it. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Next paragraph. Uh, this is in quotes. We will no longer allow the Confederacy to literally be put on a pedestal, pronounced New Orleans' current mayor, Mitch Landrew, in the style of Canute ordering the waves to stop their ceaseless motion. A <laughs> 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 uh, Canute got wrapped up in this. Um, apparently, Canute's just some dude in Little Rock who just points <laughs> <laughs> at waves. Get the town drunk. Exactly. The town drunk. Out of the wave pool. <laughs> <laughs> water park. Oh God, Canute's he, he back gets, in the water park. He gets drunk and breaks into the water park. <laughs> says, Stop! Tries Stop to it. shut down the wave machine every summer. <laughs> like, hey, security, Canute's here again. <laughs> oh no. Okay. As for his first monumental victim, the statue was put up, quote unquote, to honor the killing of police officers by white supremacists. He said. Of the four that will move, this statue is perhaps the most blatant affront to the values that make America and New Orleans strong today, end quote. Or just forgetful, anyway. The mayor explains that he had to act in such haste and secrecy in response to threats and intimidation leveled at the contractor who responded to the original bid to remove them. In short, if twere done, let it be done quickly. Hmm. So... It says he says, but these these threats are real. Like a car got blown up, and people were receiving death threats for it. Well, um, also, uh, never know. I mean, death is relative. Th- there's always two sides to every story. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. So, it, also, he's he's saying that it's contentious that this monument was to honor the killing of police officers by white supremacists. It literally <laughs> said that on the monument. <laughs> It said those words, literally, in stone. That's not a metaphor. Anyway, okay, a few more paragraphs here. Uh, just a handful by the of protesters. Way, quote hmm? from Macbeth. If we're done, we're done quickly. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I was not sure which one. Okay. A handful of protests. Yeah, sorry, Shakespeare. <laughs> we just used your phrase in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Okay. Uh, next paragraph. A handful of protesters did show up objecting to the statue's demolition, but the protesters were dispersed by local police about an hour and a half after midnight, after which the cops barricaded all the surrounding streets and, and positioned snipers on rooftops. By 3 a.m., workers were drilling into the memorial, and by dawn's early light, the obelisk was gone. Its severed parts dispersed much like 
like Oliver Cromwell's after the Lord High Protector had fallen out of favor with a mob that was the English government at the time. Dawn's early life, that's from the national anthem, just for people who don't. Well, but didn't they have to? They had to bury the head. They buried the head in one place. (laughs) And they buried the the arms in another place. Mm, it was yeah. the heart of the body. That's such a terrible sentence. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, His head I would mean, be displayed if, on a pipe. I that sentence were passed against you to be dismembered and buried in different places. It's a terrible, terrible sentence. <laughs> 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 even even okay. if you're made out of rock. <laughs> and are in an obelisk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me try to finish this paragraph without dying. Um, His head would be displayed on a pike, though he leaves behind a wealth of good advice for today's temporal rulers, such as, I beseech you, in the bowels of Christ, think it possible that you may be mistaken. But those who would declare history at an end, and they its masters, like Mayor Landrew, are much too sure of themselves to take such wise counsel seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Has uh, has Mayor Landrew, has he said this is the end of days? Is that what he... (laughs) We're at the end of history? This is it, guys. Is he supposed to to keep Oliver Cromwell's head for its sage advice? Is that what he's recommending? (laughs) He keeps Oliver Cromwell's head in a box in his office and kind of talks at it. What say you, Oliver? Should we take them down? I beseech you in the name of Christ, Mayor Landrew. Also, again, snipers are on the roof because the contractors are under death threat. So, okay. Allegedly. Two more paragraphs. Allegedly. 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 Allegedly their car exploded. Um to quote an outnumbered group that Styles call oh that Styles calls itself it's not my reading mistake I'm going to read this sentence again to quote an outnumbered group that Styles calls itself most appropriately the Monumental Task Committee this secretive removal of the monument under the cloak of darkness outside of the public bid mass contractors and use, using unidentified money reeks of atrocious government people across Louisiana should be concerned over what will disappear next. And not just people across the state border, but across the country. For we are all one with one history, and Lord willing, it is far from ending. So uh, apparently Mitch Landrew is the uh, Lord Ruler of America now. (laughs) I saw some of that in some of the alt-right stuff, too. They called him King Mitch. It's like... Yeah, it was... The funny thing is, the controversy here is that Mitch took credit for work that civil rights groups had put in for decades to get these taken down, yeah. right? Which he's very good at, right? And so he kind of stepped in and said, I decided to take these down because he was pressured very hard to take these down. And this, again, this this kind of, it, it's silly because the ones that are going to be taken down have been decided on through like a relatively democratic process, much more democratic than the process by which they were erected, right? So, and these people are saying, oh no, what's going to come next? Well, like we know there's the ones that are coming down. Those are the ones that are decided on. That's the list. That's it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not going to creep across your borders unless your local government decides on that. Also, these are public monuments on public land that the city and the citizenry pay for. So well, that gets to the, the heart of the hypocrisy of states' rights. I mean, even before the Civil War, they wanted states to have the rights to say, you can own slaves here. But slave, but states not to have the right to say if a an em- you can't. enslaved person crosses our border, they are free as soon as they come into our state. 
You know, right. You have to give them back. And the, I probably said this last week, but I always make the point when people say states' rights is, did Confederate states have a right to be non-slave states? Right? I think the answer is no, right? Mm-hmm. I think it says that in one of like the documents. Like, they can't be non-slave states. So they don't care about states' rights. Yeah, and they didn't care about, yeah, if uh, Ohio said once an enslaved person reaches Ohio, they're a free person, right? They wouldn't support that, right? Right. Oh. Okay, last paragraph. With all the respect due to Mayor Landrew and his closed view of history, which is very little, allow us to remind him that there is no right side of history, but only a phase in the cocksure present that will prove as evanescent as all the other phases of historiography historiography that have preceded it. Cleo, muse of history, has seen it all before, and she can be forgiven a wry smile at his egotism, for all history is revisionist, and all those who write and read it are as perishable as their fleeting works. Some of those works will endure as long as Herodotus, while others are already being forgotten. I think that's a well, then Denise, very schmancy way of saying the South will rise again. Mm-hmm. Saying, get, Maybe, down, get it, down, children, get proud. <laughs> but isn't, isn't he essentially saying that, like, uh, for all history is revisionist, yeah, sure, okay, and and some of it disappears, yeah, okay, and so people chose to have these parts disappear from the landscape, okay. Well, Those but are decisions he, you make every day, all the time. He's saying that in the long run, the South will be vindicated, mm-hmm. and Mitch Landrew will look like a clown for having these things taken down when... Uh, uh, you know, when history finally judges, it's going to... Uh, oh, I sure. I, I see. He's saying, yeah, he's saying that, hey, things will change, Mitch, and you're going to be on the losing side one day. Yeah. When we when find we out the Confederacy back. was framed. <laughs> <laughs> Next year on Serial. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Confederacy really do it? Yeah. We talked with the neighbors. We talked to the Confederacy's neighbors. Kentucky, did the Confederacy really do it? I don't know. They were kind of weird. They were kind of shady. But they always showed up for track practice. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, so I hope, I kind of looked to try to figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. I hope there's like a letter to the editor and they just kind of put it on the internet wrong. But it, it, it looks like it might be their product. Oh my lord! Yeah, it's that um, is really it's horrible writing and it's horrible it's opinion. Really and <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a bad. It's just there's no poorly written bad opinion. It's pretty uh, um, uh, across the board reprehensible. Yeah, and to just I just to state again, they're they're defending these monuments by having a metaphor in the lead paragraph describing a lynching. <laughs> like, yeah, there's really no way around that. Uh, and they also have Oliver Cromwell's head in a box in Mitch Landry's office. Um, the end great. of days. And I think that um, before you start um, quoting Cromwell, you need to learn a little bit of that history. I mean, anybody who's Irish, sure. uh, there's a, uh, you know, they felt like he should be sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, I mean, there are tons of reasons to not... Venerate Oliver Cromwell as well. All right. So we've had a very full show this week, so maybe that poor, piss-poor writing should be a good note to end on. So thank you, David. Thank you, Chad. And I guess we'll talk again next week. Yep. Thanks. We will.
See y'all later. Yeah.